Anyway, I want to talk to you a little bit about a few things and give you a few verses. You know, I uh, was told and I've even taught that, uh, you know, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You ever heard that verse before? All your needs. Now, we often say, now, he doesn't supply your want, but he'll supply your needs. Did you know that sometimes you need a need? You need something that draws you to the Lord. And God knows exactly what it takes to work into our life to bring us to the point of despair so we'll, we'll seek out the Lord. It, you know, it's possible, without even being aware of it, that we can get too big for our bridges. You ever heard that statement before? And sometimes we just don't see the situation the way we should. God doesn't always give us what we want. And sometimes God will let you suffer need. But evidently, that might be what we needed. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, chapter 3. Philippians, chapter 3. A couple things we have mentioned before. The apostle Paul had wrote the prison epistles, and so he's, you know, he's kind of like all tied up. And um, he says, don't worry about me. He says, the things that have happened to me have happened to the furtherance of the gospel. And so we're always trying to see if we can get the gospel to go further and further, the furtherance of the gospel. Paul also wanted to um, preach the gospel where nobody had ever been before. He didn't want to build on another man's foundation. Uh, Paul was really a very unique individual. You learn a lot about the Christian life just by seeing what happened to him in his life. And um, I don't know if I've ever met a person that was quite as dedicated as the Apostle Paul was. But then maybe that's why God used him in such a great way. But notice what he says in verse 1. He says, finally, my brethren, finally. Now he says finally and then writes two more chapters. That's like the preacher at the end of the sermon says, in conclusion. And then a half an hour later, he's finally concluding. But he says, finally, my brethren, and you ought to underline this little statement in your Bible. Rejoice in the Lord. You see, rejoice means simply show great joy or delight. Show great joy or delight. So you should be able to rejoice in the Lord even when it seems like just everything is falling apart when there's no reason to, you know, outwardly speaking, because of whatever you may be going through, you may not see anything to rejoice about. But if you think about the things that God has done for you, you think about where you're going, then you can always rejoice in the Lord. We should rejoice about our salvation. Now, in the book of Luke, chapter 1 and verse 14, when he makes this statement, and thou shalt have joy. Thou shalt have joy. And he also says, and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth. Many shall rejoice at his birth. Because they know who he is. They know why he came. They know what he's going to do. And so he says, and this shall be joy unto all the people. So the angels brought a great message and told those that were there. Behold, is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And there was a to rejoice about that. Show great delight. It's good news. The gospel itself has brought such wonderful joy, wonderful delight 
to those that hear it. I got another email that uh, this afternoon, and it's a, it's a long letter. And the guy is just overwhelmed because of the joy of salvation. And then he got into a Calvinistic church, and it really messed up his life. And now he asked me the question, can God still use me? He says, I went astray because of the teaching of Lordship Salvation. I realized I can't live it. I cannot live this high, strung life that they try to force down my throat. And I'm not saved unless I, unless, unless, unless. And so it just blew his mind. So I got a, a nice letter that I've got to write to him. I wanted him to know he can continue to rejoice. And that yes, once you trust in Christ, you still have eternal life. You're still saved. Also, take your Bible, look there in the book of Philippians in chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and look in verse 4. In verse 4. Here in verse 4, it makes a statement, and you ought to underline this verse in your Bible. Now, we've gone through the book of Philippians before, but notice. Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, show joy and great delight. That you are delighted of who you are, whose you belong to, what you're doing, and that serving the Lord should be a great delight. Should the serving the Lord be such a burden to us that it makes us so sad? If we're trusting in the Lord, why should we be so worried and afraid of the future? Scared. Because that, that's a mindset that says, I'm not really trusting in Him. Or I'm not sure He really loves me. Or I don't know if I can depend upon Him. And so we have all these moments of despair. But it's important to realize. And then he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I wonder why he has to keep repeating it. Because it's so easy for people to get down and disappointed and despair and discouraged. Uh, notice also down in verse, verse 19. Excuse me, let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 also says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you are also careful. And then these three little words I think are important. Ye lacked opportunity. You lacked opportunity. Now, I know that going through life, we often see some people that seem like they have all the luck. You ever seen somebody like that? They have all the luck, and I don't have any luck at all. And if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any at all. Did you realize that there's some people who get certain opportunities, and if you don't get opportunities like they got, you get envious and jealous of people who got to do or be what you wished you could have. And therefore, you bring upon yourself a discouragement. You're not filled with joy. You're upset because you don't get the opportunity somebody else has. Now, what I try to teach the kids in college, success is when preparation meets opportunity. Prepared to take advantage of an opportunity. Opportunities are like on wheels, and they're, they're coming your way, and they're going. And preparation means I can be prepared to take advantage of this opportunity. And those things will happen in life. You don't have many decisions to make. But not everybody gets the same opportunities. Not everybody's born in the same place, have the same kind of parents, and everybody don't have the same amount of money. But whatever opportunities you have, 
Do you take advantage of those? It's like a person told me, says, when I win the, the lottery, I'm going to give 10% to the church. Well, if they didn't give 10% with what they're already having, they're not going to do it when they get the other. If you're not faithful in that which is little, you're not going to be faithful in that which is much. People say, I'll be faithful when, I'll be faithful when. And then it all depends upon, well, if this happens or that, be faithful regardless. Be faithful to do what you know God wants you to do and just serve the Lord faithfully and, and God will bless you because of that. The other verse over here mentioned in verse 19, but my God shall supply all your needs. Now, there's a lot of things that we talk about in the word of God, but I want you to see this because there's certain things that, yes, we should rejoice about. But there's also this thing about need. And I want you to see this down in verse 12 where it says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed. That means you're being taught. I believe you're being taught by the Lord. Both to be full and be content, be hungry and be content, and to abound and be content, and to suffer and be content. But notice those last two words, suffer need. Sometimes we don't want to suffer at all. That's our problem. We think, well, if I serve the Lord, everything's going to work out cool. And some things get worse. The devil is going to come after you with everything he's got. Because the devil does not want you to rejoice. He doesn't want you to show joy and delight of what the Lord means to you. And so you're going to have to go through that. Now, in verse 19, he also says, like I said, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, the need might be one of these days he's going to take us on home. The time may come when we, God says, you know, I'm through with your service. I'm ready to take you home, and we're going to go home. So it's not like, well, I need to live. No, God says you need to die. And I was talking about this morning on the screen. Aren't you glad that God does not allow us to live four, five, six hundred years down here? It is a blessing that we don't live forever the way we are. Now, somebody can still kill you and all the rest of it, but who wants to live in a world like this forever? It is a blessing of the Lord that God allows us to die. And I think it's also a blessing of the Lord that God has allowed us to have to work for a living. And that's one of the blessings in the garden. Even though he cursed the earth and briars and thorns and it wouldn't yield like it should, because now God says, you're going to work by the sweat of your face. You're going to have to work for a living. It means there's something to do. You've got to provide for yourself. So when you're young, you've got to learn how to, how to work. And then when you go to work, and then you work, and you work, and you work, and you work, and you work. And maybe one day, you'll get to die. Isn't that wonderful? What a plan. But realize, this isn't all there is to it. There's a lot more to life than what we're going through right now. There's another world outside of this world, and I'm so glad. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews in chapter 4. The book of Hebrews in chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and look there in verse 16. Now, we have need because God wants us to come to the throne of grace. It's to teach us that we can't do it without him. God wants his children to come to see him, wants us to talk to him. And sometimes we can get so buried with the cares of this life that we don't do the things that we should. 
And we don't look to the Lord and don't talk to him like we should. So he says in verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. And here's those three little words, time of need. It may not be all the time, but there'll be times. Times that are worse than others. And sometimes everything seems to be going along smooth. And then it could be tomorrow, it could be totally devastating. And you can be enjoying the friendships of uh, somebody you know and love, and they could be gone the very next day. So look in chapter 5 and verse 12. Sometimes God's children that don't grow the way they should, they don't mature like they should. He says in verse 12, he says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need, you have need. That one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need, need of milk. Now, some people are always hollering for meat, but they can't even drink milk. And they're wanting the meat, but they can't drink milk. It means they're not doing what they should do with what they already have. They want greater opportunities, but they're not faithful with the ones they've already got. You see, you get exalted or lifted up in the Lord's work because you're faithful to do what you can with what you got where you are. And it's the same thing that we always have to remember. It's better to start on the bottom and be faithful and God exalt you than to try to start on the top and God have to humble you. But everybody has needs and God can supply all your needs. God knows that we need to study the word and he knows that we need to feed on it and to do something. And so look what he says in verse 14. Strong meat belongeth to them who are of full age. He says that means mature. Even those who by reason of use. See those three little words? Who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Those things you can discern. You've got good judgment because you taught the word of God because you know it. You study. You can discern. And as it says, by reason of use. You ever heard the statement, if you don't use it, you what? You lose it. That's why some people, when they get older, they say, well, I just can't remember anymore. I just can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. You're not using what you know. If you constantly keep using it, you will not lose it. You will remember. Is that we're not doing or remembering the things that we did know, and we don't keep using it. If you keep using it, you can keep remembering it. But if you don't, out of sight, out of mind, you'd be surprised how fast your memory can go. But you keep doing the things that you know to do and that's right to do, and it'll bless your mind. And I believe that merriment, which is another word we could use for rejoicing, is medicine to the bones. It will help you physically. It's like health food. Joy in the Lord. You heard that statement. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When there's no joy, no rejoicing, there's no strength. You just lose your drive. You lose motivation. It saps you of energy. And so keep these things in mind. It'll help you tremendously. Now look at what he says in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And look in verse 36. I've used these verses many times, but slowly behold, they're still there. I didn't use them up. I'm so glad there's verses in the Bible that you can't use up. So in verse 36, he says, For ye have, and you ought to underline those three little words, need of what? 
That means you've got to learn to wait upon the Lord. Trust the Lord. There's some things you can't make happen. God isn't working on our timetable. And when he talks about the need of patience, means that God has promised us that when we get to heaven, he's going to reward us. Your need of patience means that you're not tired and weary and well-doing because you know in due season you will reap. Because you're going to be in heaven, the day's coming, and God's going to reward you. Be patient. Don't look for payday down here. It doesn't happen that way. You know, I did this good deed, run to the, you know, to the mailbox and see if your check came in. I did another good deed, go to the mailbox and see if that check came in. God doesn't reward you like that. He says that when this whole thing is over, as he says in the book of Daniel chapter 12, he says that there'll be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. And those that have turned many to righteousness shall shine as the brightness of the firmament forever and ever and ever. Well, that's not here. That's then. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, but that's not here. Be patient. Payday's coming. Our payday is coming. And so you need to have patience. That means trust the Lord. Live by faith. See, living by faith is what produces your patience. Because you can trust the Lord. You can wait upon God. That's faith. But when you don't have that, you don't have patience. That's what causes you to lose your cool, lose your temper, to become mean and ugly and unkind. That's all because of a lack of patience. Because you don't believe that my suffering is going to be worth it for the Lord. And so we want to justify things down here because we want to get paid back now. I want redemption now. I want to get even now. And I want to revenge now. Be patient and trust the Lord with it. And look what he says there in verse 36 again. For ye have need of patience that after you have done the will of God. Not before. After you've done the will of God. Well, see, while we're in this life, serve the Lord. And then afterwards, it will be worth it. You wait and see. And you're going to wish that you had done every bit of that. And remember, we looked at before in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Because we were saved from something too, an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that fate, if not away, reserved in heaven for you. He says, because, you know, we're saved by the power of God under faith because of our salvation in Christ. And he says, and this you are happy, you rejoice, but uh, you're in manifold temptation, if need be, because of all the things that are going on. He says, you're under heaviness. And then he says in the very next verse, the trial of your faith. Been much more precious than gold and silver and so forth. It's tried with fire. He says, it'll be worth it. You'll get praise, honor, and glory. But not now, when that time comes. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 6. And look in verse 23. Luke 6 and verse 23. And you'll notice, he had, talking here, giving the Beatitudes, blessed, 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 and so on. Well, let's just start there in verse 20 real quick. And he lifted up his eyes and, on his disciples and said, Blessed be the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. You might hunger now, you shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and 
when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Look at the next verse. Complain, whine, and pine. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for what? Leap for joy. For behold, your reward, get this, is great where? Here or there? In heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. So the time is coming. Don't worry about it. It's all now, now, now. Yeah, but it's not over yet. And that's why these verses are found in other places, but not all of them have the word now in it. And I like that, and it brings that out very good. Look in chapter 15 of Luke. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And look in verse 6. You've seen this. You've heard this before. You know, got, uh, got 99. You lose one, you go after that one, which is lost. But let's just start there in verse 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Well, it looks like um, if this is to be considered of uh, value at all, uh, it's kind of like um, if you've got a hundred sheep, you want all of them. Well, if there's all these people in the world, it looks like God wants to save all of them. Well, I'm only satisfied in just keeping 10 of these sheep. That's all I want. 90 of them can go straight. No, 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 no. That might be good for the Calvinists, but that's not the Bible. But look what he says. In verse 5, and when he had found it, he laid it on his shoulders. And what's the word? You ought to understand. It's because it means filled with joy, expressing it. People can see rejoicing. It means you're doing it with delight. You want to do this. You're expressing how you think and how you feel. Did you know you can read a lot of people by their looks on their face? True. I can look out at y'all and know whether or not I should go on or quit. <laughs> Sometimes I think, are they paying attention? And sometimes, believe it or not, from where I'm at now, I had my eye fixed just a little bit. I can almost tell when you're sleeping. But with both my eyes in good shape, I can, I can read your mind. I wish, and I'm glad that God does not allow that. <laughs> Don't that be terrible? I'm sitting here preaching my heart out, and there's somebody out there saying, oh, I hate this sermon. Boy, that's, that stinks to high heaven. I wish I'd have stayed home and watched Batman. Wouldn't that be discouraging? Wouldn't that be disheartening? I'm sitting here thinking about this, and here's Warren over there thinking about, I wish we had some more of those eclairs. Look what else he says here. In verse 6, And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, and there's those words, Rejoice with me. When somebody trusts the Lord, and you hear we had somebody trust the Lord, did you get excited about that? Are you glad for that? I read a letter this morning where two people trust the Lord because of the YouTube message videos. Now, you, some people say, Oh, heard that before. Wait a minute. There's two people that were going to hell. Now they're going to heaven. That ought to be exciting to people. That's what this whole thing is about. And so he says, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. So there's some good things that we ought to know. Down in verse 9, he says, rejoice with me. It's written there again. 
Look in John chapter 16, the gospel of John in chapter 16. John chapter 16, and look in verse 22. John chapter 16, verse 22. He says, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. He also mentions that up there in uh, verse 20. Just look in verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Now it's the opposite. Because of what sorrow you're going to go through because it's on its way to the cross. The world will rejoice. Hey, he's dead. We win. And it ain't over yet. He came back from the dead. And so he says, your sorrow, in verse 20, your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Now, when you believe what God says, you can take confidence in knowing that regardless of what you go through in life, you're going to be so filled with joy one day. Well, why not take and use a little bit of it now and by faith, go ahead and live the way you wish you had lived when you get there. You want to wait till you get to heaven and then look back and you look at your life and you say, you know what? I could have been happy here. I could have been happy. Here. I could have been filled with joy all my life because God already told me what was going to happen, but I didn't believe him. I didn't trust him. I wasn't patient. And you look at how much misery you went through that you didn't have to go through. Did you know that almost all our misery and so forth is, is mental thinking? Your sorrow, sadness, it's mental thinking. That's why your success and your defeat all begins and ends right up there in the mind. And it's so important. To understand that. Look in Philippians in chapter 1. The book of Philippians. All the way back there to Philippians chapter 1. And look in verse 18. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 18. You know Paul has been in prison. Talking about the things that happened to him. For the furtherance of the gospel. And then there was other people that came along, and some were trying to add to his misery. But there were some that were going to preach the gospel, pretentious, not sincerely, but there was others that would. But he says, Christ will be preached, and therein I rejoice because of that. So in verse 18, he says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Rejoice because even though people may not always do it, you know, with the best intentions. And they're just doing it out of spite. At least the gospel is preached. Now, he's not talking about a false gospel being preached. But there's other people who will not do it with the right intentions. Look what he says there. See there in verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. See, some people do it because they want to, and some people give the gospel, but they don't really want to. But they do it because, well, that's what's expected of them. It's anticipated. But not everybody is found faithful to present the gospel the way they should. In verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Now, there's a lot in here that we probably will never understand. The suffering that Paul went through, the people that left him, 
he had people that no longer walk with Paul. And the heartache he had to go through, but he keeps saying, I have continual sorrow in my heart. And then at the same time, he talks about rejoice always and greatly rejoice. So it's uh, something that we should do. Look in chapter 2 and verse 16. Chapter 2 and verse 16, where he makes a statement. In chapter 2 and verse 16, he says, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Not only do I want the joy here and now, but at the day of Christ, the rejoicing that I have not run in vain. I was talking to the college class the other day, and I says, one of the things that bothers me more than anything else, I don't have any regrets of serving the Lord. Most people who serve the Lord, I don't think they say, you know, I'm, I, I am so filled with regret that I did but we wish we'd have done more. I just wish we'd have done more. And then I made a statement. I probably shouldn't have said it. But I didn't know how to do anymore. Because my whole life has been so full doing. But I feel like I haven't done anything. And I wish I'd have done more. And you think, well, what else can I do? How much more can I do? Because I realize, like most of us, <laughs> we're getting older. But we want to do more because we know we don't have much time left. And so it's uh, something we think about it. That I have not run in vain, nor labored in vain. You see, your labor is not in vain between you and God because God will reward you for that. But the people don't always respond. They don't always profit from what you do. And so you can try to reach people with the gospel and them not respond. You're not responsible for their actions. You are responsible to be found faithful. And you may try to challenge people and pour out your heart and pray. But that doesn't mean they're going to respond the way you want them to. So you can labor in vain with people because they don't respond correctly. But that's on them, not you. But you don't want it to be in vain. You want to be successful. You want to profit. You want people to serve the Lord. You want there to be results. I wish I had 100 people trust the Lord every time I preach. But I'm not in charge of that. I'm to be faithful just to give the gospel and sow the seed. Just keep sowing the seed. Look in verse 17 also. Verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. See, there's people who have sacrificed and done so much, and we are working co-labors together, as it says in chapter 4 of the book of Philippians. And so that's a, a good thing. Look in chapter 2 and verse 28. Chapter 2, verse 28. Where it says, I sent, I sent him therefore the more carefully, that means with great concern, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. And he's talking about Epaphroditus, who was willing and almost died making up for the lack of service that somebody else should have done. Because some people, they will do what they can do. And then somebody else who's supposed to do their share, they don't. Does that make it easier upon the one that does? If we had a great big old pole up here, a heavy log, and we got five people carrying it, and one person says, you know, this thing is just too big of a burden. Uh, I just can't do it, so I quit. Well, that's good because it didn't make it any heavier on the other four, did it? 
Now, four people are trying to carry it. So they get weary and they're well doing. Well, I quit. This is just too much of a burden. So now you only got three left. What do you think happens to these three mentally? If you quit and you quit, what do you think they will think? Why should they keep doing this? And so you'd be surprised how the, the lack of faith and involvement and, you know, that one person does can destroy a whole thing. It can happen because just one person, I quit. And they're not faithful. Well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. And you look there and you see, okay, well, where's that other person? That's, well, somebody else will. Well, they didn't. You say, well, they always No, they don't. And I've seen ministries completely fall apart. I've seen choirs fall apart. I've seen ranches fall apart. Because you say, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. No, they don't. I've seen people finance something, then they stop financing it. And next thing you know, well, look, I mean, we've done such a great job with supporting missions. I'm not, not, I'm not going to give this year. Okay, then it comes down. Or somebody else, well, you know, I'm not going to need to do it. But you don't know that 10 others just thought the same thing you did. So then everybody stops giving. And then wonder what, I wonder what happened. I wonder why God stopped blessing. He blesses through people. A ministry grows because of the people. And whenever you stop, it drops. Like flying an airplane. If it stops, it drops. So, looked in chapter 3 and verse 1 again. Finally, brethren. Well, this is where we started, ain't it? Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. I want you to know this. And so I want to close with one verse that found over in the book of Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And look in verse 7. This is a good verse. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints now we know we go to heaven by the righteousness of Christ this is talking about the righteousness of saints you see the bride has just been to the Judgment seat of Christ. She has just been decorated according to what she's done for the Lord in this period of time we call life. So when we leave this world, we're going to stand in the judgment seat of Christ, and God's going to reward every man according to his own labor. And you're going to be dressed in the righteous acts of the saints. Whether it's the glory that comes from it, I don't know. How many crowns you're going to have, I don't know. Are there going to be badges and rewards and medals and all that? I don't know. I don't care what it is. But whatever it is, it's in the book, and God says this is how it's going to be. And so we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hey, we're going to get married, and this is the bride. And as he makes the statement there in verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice. That day, someday, will happen, and it could be very, very soon. When? I don't know. I don't really care. I'm just going to be faithful Patient and keep doing what we're supposed to do until the time is gone. Work because night is coming when no man will work. There's a time coming when all opportunities are gone. 
Remember what he said in the book of Philippians in chapter 4? When he made the statement, you lack opportunity. We have right now in this life of ours, opportunity. An opportunity to serve the Lord. To do what God wants us to do. We don't know to what extent. Oh, just be found faithful. Every person in this room, every person watching, can be found faithful to do what you came or what you have where you are. Be faithful. And God will bless you for doing so. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. Now God says that he loves us. Now he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord. So everybody sins. Everybody's guilty. Everybody's condemned. And so God says he wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, say we have to be perfect. No sin. But we've all sinned. And God says you cannot earn eternal life. You have to pay for your sins. Good deeds doesn't pay for the wages of sin. That's why we need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. When he came into the world, he was prophesied to come into the world. Therefore, the world should rejoice because Christ was born. And he was born to take away our sins. Remember, and his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So Christ took all the sins of the world, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put the payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did. So, okay, I did that. Can I rejoice? Can I be filled with joy? Can I be filled with delight? I am going to heaven, which is the greatest thing in all the world. I'm going to be with the Lord for all eternity. I'm going to get a brand new body. I'm going to live forever. And in this life, God's given us some opportunities. Wouldn't it be a shame if we lived in this world and there were no opportunities? No opportunities to show to God that we loved him. No opportunities to be found faithful. Nothing to work against us where I would be able to prove that he means a lot to me. God's been good to us. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you would. I believe everyone in this room has already heard this and has trusted Christ as Savior. But if you're watching by internet and you have never yet trusted the Lord, why not right now in the quietness of this moment just believe that when Christ died, he died for you. And he died for you because he didn't want you to have to pay for your sins. He paid for them. He paid for all of them. And all that he wanted you to do was believe he did it for you. Friend, would you believe that? I pray that you will. God said he would give you a free gift, eternal life. Would you trust him? Father, we are thankful so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for this time together tonight. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.